You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've got a great show for you. I had a chance to catch up with Mr. Nate Thomas from the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. If you haven't been listening to the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, I've got a great show over there. It's a group of guys. They always have a good time. They have really good guests on. But one of the things that I wanted to talk with Nate about specifically was how he targets mature bucks year in and year out. He has had a lot of success when it comes to targeting specific mature deer on small properties. Now, he'll be honest and tell you, that doesn't mean those deer are living on his properties necessarily throughout the year. There are times when they're on the property and times where they're off. His chances can be really good in the early season or really good during the rut. Uh, it really just depends on what the specific buck that he's after is is giving him in the moment. So I wanted to pick his brain and hear, you know, how does he manage his trail cameras? How does he put together their strategy? How does he manage his pressure? And how does he process, you know, how much pressure he's putting on a property? How aggressive does he get when it comes to his style of hunting? And actually, we kick off the conversation talking about how he names his deer, which is really, really interesting. Some guys love naming deer. Some guys don't love naming deer and like to make fun of people who name deer. I think there's a good case for it. And Nate has a good system that works for him and makes it really, really fun. I hope you enjoy the show. Get ready to share your hunt this season with the Tacticam Solo Extreme point of view camera. Featuring one touch operation, weatherproof housing and mounts to fit any style of hunting, the Solo Extreme is sure to make filming your hunts foolproof and hassle free. The Solo Extreme features up to 8x zoom, image stabilization technology that takes the shock out of the shot and lets you capture crystal clear wide quad HD footage. From now until August 31st, you can get the Solo Extreme and a stabilizer mount for just $149.99 with free shipping. To learn more or pick up your Solo Extreme today, head over to Tacticam.com. Onyx Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. And Onyx has just released a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include new aerial imagery options like leaf off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back, 
and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. Try Onyx Hunt for free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com to learn more. Hunt in comfort this season with camo from Huntworth. They make high-quality technical camo at a fraction of the price of other brands. My personal favorites for the early season include the Durham Lightweight Pants, which are rugged and durable with just the right amount of stretch where it counts, and the Shelton Midweight Quarter Zip Hoodie with built-in face mask. To make building out your kit simpler, their website now features their new system builder. This tool will help you grab the right camo no matter what season or species you're hunting. To check out their full camo line, head over to HuntworthGear.com. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast is Mr. Nate Thomas from the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. Nate, welcome back to the show. Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Going pretty well. It's uh, 187 degrees here in Georgia today, so I don't know how you're feeling there in Missouri, but it's miserable here. Uh, it's actually beautiful today. It's we have, We're having a slow soaking rain. Nice. And it's about, actually, I'll tell you exactly what the temperature is at the moment. It is... 71 degrees what and we need it man it has been so dry here this summer and last um that we're definitely uh in some rough areas so we need the rain and it's the perfect rain it's just this slow soaker uh couldn't be better i hope it keeps raining i haven't been outside in the last hour now but um i looked at the radar earlier and it should be yeah it's still raining so just keep going. That's all. I'm good with that. Nice, man. I was wondering if you had been affected by the drought, man. I know my my spot in Wisconsin where I hunt, they're in um, what's called like a, I forget the, the ranges, but it's like a significant drought or whatever. And then they're probably about to roll over into extreme drought for the year. And it's just, it's been rough, man. I've heard, you know, stories of, of farmers who are potentially, you know, going to be making <clears throat> insurance claims for the year as opposed yeah. to, to harvesting. Well, you kind of, you kind of stole my thunder. So anybody that's listening to this before next Tuesday, our show next Tuesday is actually with national deer association about how the drought affects deer and antler growth. Nice. Uh, because, you know, I don't know if we're, if we're technically in a drought anymore, you know, cause the federal government, whoever tells you that you're actually in a drought, I just know last summer and this summer, it's been really dry here. I think we're like 10 plus inches behind in, in rainfall and, um, it's dry. So that's all I know. I can look at my pond out behind my house and see that it's five foot off the bank. And that's, hasn't been like that in the 12 years I've lived here. So, um, it's dry outside and that can't be a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Do you have plots planted yet? No. Okay. No, I'm, I, uh, probably won't do it either. Okay. Um, I tried a few plots last year and they didn't take, I'm not a very good caregiver of plots. And then, uh, this year, the one property that I would, was going to plant a plot in, I don't know that I'm going to waste my time there. Um, ah. because there's nothing there that I think is, is, uh, going to be on a, what I would call a hit list. So, I might focus efforts on other things. Okay. So I don't think I'm going to plant the plots. Now, Micah did. Micah planted some corn uh, and some uh, clover. And the clover's struggling. The corn is finally, uh, we got some rain a couple weeks ago, and that really helped it. 
I don't know how well it's going to produce, but I think it'll at least give food for the deer. Yeah. When was that clover plot planted? He planted it last year. Okay. So, all right. Uh, he planted it at a good time last year and it got, um, it got established. And then if I'm remembering correctly, he frost seeded it this, this early spring. Um, and it did, it did pretty well. Now I don't know how it's doing now with the drought, but I I'm hoping that it's well established well enough that it's, you know, not taken over by weeds, but I haven't talked to him and I haven't been to that property with him this year yet. So I need to ask him about it, but yeah, man. Yeah. We haven't planted here, uh, yet either. I mean, we, we normally won't plant until, you know, here in Georgia, we'll plant mid September, then down a property in Alabama. It's real close to the Gulf. And so, I mean, we're talking October before we plant, which probably sounds wild coming from guy in Missouri, but our, our rut's not till February. So we're not too concerned. Uh, so just, so is your, rut is your rut in Georgia? Not till February also? No, the rut in Georgia here is about, uh, is like November. I'd say prime for where I'm hunting right around that, like mid, mid November 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. Uh, same as here. Yeah. Yeah. About the same as there. And then a little North of here, I've got another property and it's around that Thanksgiving timeframe. So it's a little later in the, in, into November. Um, That's kind of nice. It is. Yeah. To have them staggered. And that's honestly, man, that's one of the, one of the blessings about hunting in the South. I mean, we don't have the size of deer, obviously Georgia's got some really good deer. Um, but for the most part, it's not going to be Midwest quality hunting down here. Uh, but you can hunt the rut from, if you want to travel, you can hunt the rut from August until February. Um, you know, if that's what you're into. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is. So, uh, well, man, I, I, I'm curious about this uh, podcast you're going to record for about how drought affects antler growth. That's been one of the questions on my mind. Um, you're recording that next week, you said? Or it's going to no, launch it's already next been, week? it's already been recorded. Okay. It's, it's going right. to launch. Yep. All right. So, this is going to launch on Thursday. Yours is going to launch the following Tuesday. So, if you're listening to this and you want to hear more about it, man, I've got a buck in Wisconsin that last year as a three-year-old was probably in that 160 range maybe a little bigger i mean he was a he was a a sure enough like really really good deer one of those that you're like i'd really like to see you but i'd also really like not to because if i could see you at four you could be something just really really special and i'm wondering how that drought is going to impact his his antler growth for the year any any teasers from the show that you learned that you're thinking you know can you point me one way or another the answer is yes, it will. That's basically, I mean, it was, it was as, it was as cut and dry as it could have been with our guest. And you know, it, it doesn't mean that their antlers won't be as big as they could have been. Now, who knows? I mean, who, who's to say, you'll never know how, how big they would have been. Sure. But you know, it affects, it definitely affects the food. Um, it affects density in the bone. So you know, uh, sometimes you'll see drought of, uh, directly correlate to broken tines during the rut because they're not as bent, dense boned, um, that sort of stuff. It kind of just affects everything. And, um, you know, those, those plant nutrients don't come to the, the tips of the plants as much when the drought, those plants are holding those nutrients back. So they're not getting to, to eat some of the stuff they really like those minerals, those, 
the 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 moisture that they're they're eating and the stuff they browse is just typically sometimes typically not as good. So then they don't get as as good of food or whatever. And and uh, he said, now the nice thing about a drought, just to give you a little more teaser, is deer who are searching for food tend to travel more. So it could actually help some hunters in a drought because deer will move to find what they need. So, right. you know, it could help certain people in certain uh, properties, but easy answer is it's going to affect them. Okay. All right. Well, uh, this thing's not getting a pass either way. If I can end up laying <laughs> eyes on him, I missed him by about an hour and a half last year. Um, but like I said, it, it really would have been a shame to shoot that one. Um, he's bigger than the deer I took last year, but it would have been a shame because he has a lot of potential to express still. I think, uh, it's weird to think about a deer like that on public land though. Like when you're thinking about public ground, you kind of think, Oh, that's a nice buck. I'm going to take it. But, um, I, I know now that he lived through the gun season, which super thankful. Uh, but, but anyway, we'll see. And, you know, along those lines, we were talking off air. I think we're going to talk today about targeting specific deer. Now, that's not something that I have really done much of before other than to say, hey, you know, I know this deer is using this spot. I've got trail camera pictures. He comes out into the food plot at X time or whatever. So I've gone after specific deer like that. But it's never been like a, hey, it's this deer or bust. Or I've never built like a specific, you know, hit list where it's like, these are my, you know, two or three top deer. Uh, so I'm going to change my hunting strategy to get one of those deer. I've always just kind of been hunting more of like, I'm just looking for a good buck. You know what I mean? But that's yeah. something you've got some experience doing. I'm looking at the deer on your wall. I know you've got a you've got a whole strategy behind naming those bad boys, <laughs> which I, I think might have been one of the first episodes I ever heard you on was yeah. when you were on with Dan talking about how you how you name your deer. So uh, you've got some studs there on the wall. What what are their what are their names? So uh, right here behind, right over top of me, this is my guy Noob Sabbat. And, uh, my boy down here a little further is scorpion. And, um, I'll just give a little teaser. The deer I'm after this year is named Baraka. And if you've ever paid attention to, uh, kids about, you know, between 30 and 40, there was this awesome show and game called mortal Kombat growing up. And that's what I name my deer after most of the time. There are some deer that have some basic names, but, um, I like to nickname my deer. It's fun for me. And, uh, I hunt a lot of several properties with different people. So that's where it kind of started with the naming because it was easier to discuss those deer with names. And so, um, mortal Kombat is just, they've got badass names and there's a lot of them so I can pick different names. So that's their names. Yeah, no, I, I like that, man. I, I go back and forth between like, you know, laughing when people name their deer or like thinking, man, that's actually really useful. I should probably look into that because you're right. When you're texting buddies or something and you're like, Hey, I got another picture of, you know, the, the buck with a split G2 and they're like, Oh, the real wide one. You're like, no, no, no. The tall and narrow, yeah. you know, that that's such a pain where if you yeah. could just say, you know, noob Sabbath showed up on camera. Yeah. You know, a lot easier. Well, think about it. I mean, let's, let's look at you and me. We're both short with dark beards. So, you know, Dan, Dan's having a meeting for us someday and he's like, Hey, you know, that short guy with the, uh, olive hat on, that's got a dark beard. Right. Yeah. We're well, wearing the same color hat today too. Yeah. Which one is he talking about? Yeah. So, 
you know, it's just so much easier when you got a Nate and a Josh. Now we know who's who. Yeah. Um, you know, for Micah likes to make fun of me because Micah is not a fan of naming deer. Um, but you know, what's funny is him and I are hunting a property together this year that we, we both just got this year and we nicknamed that deer Baraka and he keeps saying that name every time we see him on camera. He's like, did you see, did you see Baraka this morning? And, and I'm just, I kind of laugh inside. Cause I'm like, you know, it don't seem like he don't, he don't like saying that name. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, he, he's got one that, uh, I guess he deems worthy. It, you know, honestly, it just got fun for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it's I like to think of a cool new Mortal Kombat character name. And, you know, like years later, I can still remember the hunt I had for Sub-Zero who, who got away from me. I didn't kill him. And two seasons ago, I was after Reptile also, and he got away from me. Like, I'm always going to remember that buck's name. Whereas, and I'm always going to remember those stories and those experiences, but it just makes it even a little more personal when I can go, yeah, I remember when reptile got away from me in 2021 or whatnot. So, uh, it's just fun for me. Right. Right. Man, let's, let's talk about, you know, chasing some of these specific deer. I know you've got one that you're targeting this year. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, setting, setting the, the stage, I guess you could say when it comes to a deer that's going to be on your hit list or one of your target deer, what are we talking as far as, you know, qualifications for making that list. I know for some people it's age, for other people it's antler size, for other people it's like, man, this is just the one that showed up on my property. Like, you know, I've got, I've got 35 acres that I hunt in Alabama and we usually get one good deer a year. If we have two, they'll be on two separate sides of that 35 acres. And it's like, they don't even cross paths. They don't even, there's a Creek that runs in between. They do not show up on the other camera across the Creek from one another. Um, so, you know, for us, it's like, hey, there's, there's a good eight showing up in this food plot. Like, that's our target deer for the year. So how do you mm-hmm. set those standards? Well, I mean, obviously, I've got, uh, I've got three farms now that I'm hunting. Uh, it sounds like I've got all this awesome stuff, but one of them's small. One of them is a giant open field, and the other one is also small. So I'm, I'm lucky into the, in the fact that I do get to put cameras out in the summer, right? because I have access to private property. So <clears throat> I can get to know who who's there throughout the summer. Um, and every single one of the farms I hunt, I share it with somebody else. Um, one of them I don't really share with anybody, but technically somebody else has pro- permission too. He just never goes there. So, um, you know, so what we do is, and it, it's specific to the person. I start seeing the, the deer throughout the summer. And I'll say, Hey, that deer, first thing I do is does that deer deserve a name? Right? So if they have a name, they're probably a decent deer or a deer that we like, maybe it's a young deer that we want to keep track of, but does that deer deserve a name? So they get a name and then I just kind of work from there. But Micah, who I share a property with, might be in a different boat than me, which he is a little bit. He's, he's not killed a, a buck with his bow in a few years now. And last year he shouldered a, a really nice buck uh, with his bow and we weren't able to recover it. Um, so what I might say is a pass or a shoot, he might disagree with. And that's the, the beauty of it. You know, until one of us buys the other guy's tag for them, 
we're not going to say shit about what the other guy decides he's going to, you know, shoot. Right. We, we, we tend to have the same philosophy when it comes to trying to, you know, kill more mature deer, which typically means a bigger rack, but not always, uh, you know, there, there's a buck a few years ago, I've got one of the coolest encounters I've ever remember in the, in the woods. And he was nicknamed evil Eddie, which is not a mortal compact character, but the reason he was nicknamed evil Eddie was he was this eight to 10 year old, just giant G one and main beam deer. That's it. He had nothing else. G ones and main beams. I love it. But that deer was so old. He had a big old growth coming out of his jaw, his, his uh, back legs. I mean, the, the skin was so flappy, you know, you just were, he was an old man and that deer, I would have shot him straight in the face. If I could have that day, I had an awesome encounter in the rain with him at five yards on the ground. And I could not shoot that deer because my County has a four point restriction on antler points on one side and he only has two points on each side. So I couldn't shoot that deer, but had there not been some sort of a point restriction, I would have shot a 40 inch deer. He, I mean, he had two beams that were probably 18 to 22 inches long and a G one on each side. And that was it. That's all he had. So he wouldn't have scored 50 inches. Wow. Maybe, but he was such an old deer who was so smart and so cool that I was so thankful that I had that, that encounter with him that I almost feel like I do have him hanging on my wall. If that makes sense. Right. Yep. Because he was, he was at five yards on the ground. He was dead. If he was any other buck, he would have, he would have died. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean big rack is dead. I'm kind of looking for a deer that I either have experience with, or I know who is at least, at least four, hopefully five or older in our area. Okay. Typically that's going to correlate to a bigger rack, but not always. Yeah. And how many of these are you expecting to get on your farms? You mentioned two of them are smaller. One's a big field, you know, any given year. Uh, what does that look like for you? Are, are, are these farms holding deer through the deer season? I, I think we've talked before and you've mentioned that your farms kind of vacate late season. Yeah. It's none of, none of these farms are probably going to be holders. Um, I would say each farm, typically I'll get one to two on average, what I would consider shooters every year. Um, but so one farm that's a, it's just a larger open field. There's some years during the summer, there's five to six, what I would say shooters showing up throughout the summer, but that farm will, will turn to ghost town as soon as they go hard horned and you have to kind of play that farm for the rut. You're hoping the rut brings them back and it has scorpion died scorpion died at that farm so um you know it has happened uh the other farms you know yeah on average one to two the the farm that i just got permission on this year i don't know because this is our first season with it sure um but the farm that noob sabbat died at uh was the same way on average between like one and three shooters would show up throughout the summer and then i would kind of start figuring out what i need to do there um so, I mean, really for the last five seasons, four to five seasons, I have been specifically targeting between one and four deer for that season. Okay. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't, I've never been like a one deer or bus type of guy outside of maybe this year. <laughs> um, and that might be out of a necessity because right now he's the only shooter. Wow. Okay. But, uh, so I've, I've targeted between like one and four deer every year and have been successful at it. I mean, let's see here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, five of them died over the past five seasons. So, you know, um, there's, it comes with its own issues. Like, you know, there's a whole different change in the game when you're only specifically targeting one or more deer. But to me, it keeps me so much more locked in to the season. Right. Uh, I'm so much more locked in. I'm so focused on what those deer are doing. I keep a note app on my phone and every little encounter that I have with that deer, whether it's a trail cam picture or whatever, um, I'm now doing even more than that, but I used to just, you know, write down the time, the direction they were traveling, all that stuff. Now it's the time, the direction they're traveling, this weather that day, which way the wind was going. Uh, I used to get on, uh, historical weather data apps and I would go back to that day and see exactly where the wind was coming from. Was it cloudy? What was the barometric pressure? And I would record all of it and hope to start seeing a pattern like with a deer that I'm after. And it just keeps me much more locked in. You know what I'm saying? It was, uh, it's been a lot of fun for me to target these, these deer the way I have the last kind of five years. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I've got to say, so last year in Wisconsin is probably the closest that I've gotten to, um, I kind of just lucked into it. Right. I got really familiar with a couple of deer that because of the way I distributed my cameras, I was able to kind of begin to put together a piece of the story, especially when I had my first encounter with the big one. Uh, and then I shot him on the third day and he got away and I shot him again, like five days later. So it was, it was really the first year that I was, you know, it wasn't that deer or bust cause I knew it was just a flesh wound, but it, I was really able to piece together a story with him and man, that you're right. Every time I stepped into the woods, I was conscious of what I'm stepping on. I was dialed in. I was focused. Every hunt was a targeted strike rather than I'm just going into hunt for the day or I'm just going to go sit this and see what I see. It was specifically tailored to what this deer and actually three others that I had seen uh, were doing in this area. So Baraka, is he on the new farm? Yeah. Okay. All right. So did you pick this farm up because you saw Baraka or was it you picked up the farm and then you found him? Yeah, just picked up the farm and then put some cameras out and there he was. Okay. Uh, you know, and to go back to what you were saying, that's the negative to targeting specific deer because you can stress yourself out in a much different way. (laughs) I mean, because just going hunting is, is awesome. I'm going to go hunting. I'm going to go where I think this could be a good spot today. And I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, to harvest an animal. Well, when you're targeting a deer, you're like you said, you're worried about every damn twig you break. You're you're seeing pictures on your phone and getting upset. I remember a, another deer that I I did not kill. Uh, the same year I killed Noob, I was after another deer called named Reptile, and Reptile was bigger. Reptile was like number one on the hit list, mm. and Reptile gave me a window to kill him in early September, and I tried my hardest to kill that deer 
September 18th through the 25th, basically. Our season starts on September 15th here. And I remember being at my daughter's volleyball games, getting pictures of him, and getting upset (laughs) that I wasn't there because he was there at daylight. Yeah. And it stresses you out. I wasn't as locked in as a dad watching my kid play volleyball because I'm looking at pictures getting upset, right? So you can't be as locked in as you would have been. Um, and then the next night I'm out there and I'm trying everything I can to get there. Then I'd be at another volleyball game and boom, there he is. Mm. So you're like, you're almost like resenting your kid for playing volleyball right now because you're just like, <laughs> if you weren't playing volleyball, I'd be in the, in the woods right now or whatever. Right. Yeah. And this deer and I played merry-go-round every night. I was at the, at the spot. He wasn't. And then every night I wasn't, he was. And eventually Something happened and he, he left, which I knew was going to happen. That farm has always been that way. They, they leave after they go hard horned. So I knew I only had a short window and unfortunately he left before I was able to figure him out. And then noob came back at the right time and got killed. So it's, it can be just stressful. It makes hunting a little more stressful. Hunting isn't really supposed to be stressful. Right. And that's the the negative I would say to I guess watch it when you're trying to like uh, target specific bucks is don't let it stress you out because it can and then it's not fun anymore you right. know then it's like what are you doing it for so you know there's there's some of that and I've got to watch it because I will stress myself out with hunting I I want to be successful I you know I I've got a personality that is driven to be sick you know goals need to be achieved type of uh, personality. So when you don't achieve the goal, you get angry and you got to kind of think to yourself, is that what you want to accomplish out in the woods today? Leaving mad. Is that what you want? Mm. Uh, So you got to have to, you know, you do have to, you know, figure it out, but I, I do have a lot of fun. If I can remember to tell myself, this is supposed to be a sport. This is a supposed to be something that is, enjoyable for you so you know if if targeting specific bucks gets me upset then that's that's where i'll stop doing it but i have enjoyed doing it i am able to put cameras out i'm able to learn these deer throughout the summer and formulate a list i guess you'd call it which i never actually write it down but um i've got a list of of shooters that i'm trying to kill and so it's happening and it's happening again this year. And yeah, Baraka is, is going to be cool. <laughs> yeah. So, well, man, let, let's hope you encounter him. I'm thinking about, you know, going into this with the right mindset. Sounds like it would be so important, especially maybe for a guy who hasn't done this before, or maybe a guy that doesn't have a ton of big deer under his belt. Like you've really got to go into it with your head, head on straight, because if you don't, you can really ruin your season in a hurry. Like that's kind of what I'm not just your season, but like your, your family life. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. And like, I don't know what the saying is. I can't ever say it correctly, but don't pass something on the first day that you wouldn't on the last. Right. Like, okay. So let's say you've got this specific target buck and you want to kill him. Okay, cool. So opening day, you're sitting in your tree stand and a, another buck walks in front of you. That's a really good buck that he's not your, your target guy though. So you, you let him walk. All right. 
Well, then big boy never shows up. And at the end of the season, you're sitting there holding your tag in your hand. Mm. Are you going to regret letting that buck walk day one? If it's the regret, then you're doing it wrong. In my opinion, right? Right. In my opinion, that's, I guess that's where you got to watch it because if that buck would have made you happy to harvest that walked right in front of you opening day, then shoot his ass. What, what are you doing? What are you sitting here waiting for something else? Um, that's just my opinion. So yeah, like that's what you got to watch. I mean, if, if a buck's going to make you happy, then let it, let it fly. Let it, let her eat, you know, they all eat the same. So, um, enjoy it. But, um, so that's where like, I'll, I'll, I'll even pay attention to the bucks that aren't considered, you know, hit listers. Um, like for instance, the same farm that Brock is on, there's a few good eights that depending on what they do when they go hard horned, I might not let them walk in front of me too long, you know, that type of the situation. So every year though, I do have deer that are, are game time decision deer. A camera can only tell you so much, especially in velvet. They all look huge in velvet. So, you know, when they go hard horned, sometimes more, you know, some of them have a better, uh, uh, do a better job with keeping their mass than others. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, a lot of, some of those deer, I'm like, Hey, I like you. I'm going to keep my eye on you. But if I see you in person, then I'll, I'll make a nice decision. And I just have to know that I'm going to be happy with the decision I make. So if I have an eight pointer that is a decent eight pointer walk in front of me and I make the decision, I'm going to let you walk. You know, I, I think you you deserve another year. Then I know that when I leave the, the woods that night, I'm going to go had a great encounter tonight. Could have killed a deer. I let him walk. But if you leave the woods saying, I wish I'd have shot him two months later because you didn't shoot anything. Then that's, that's where you really have to think, what is it I'm trying to accomplish here? Yeah. And everybody's got different goals. I've got different goals than you, Micah, Andy, everybody's got a different goal this year. Think about what it is you want to achieve. Even if you're specifically targeting, targeting a deer. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. That's a really, really good point. I've got I've got one deer specifically that that comes to my mind right now that was using this same area as the big one that I was talking about from last year. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt at this point, after looking at trail camera pictures, after talking to other people, running it by people, this was a 90 to 95 inch one-year-old. Uh, he had kicker, he had kickers <laughs> off of his G2s. He's the most unreal looking one-year-old that I've ever seen. Um, either that or it was a doe with big antlers, right? And this year he's going to be a two-year-old, and he was using that same area last year. 
and I'm guessing he'll probably blow up and be 120, 125 inch, you know, which that's not unrealistic in Wisconsin. That happens, you know, quite a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Infault talks about a lot of his, you know, Pope and young deer are two year olds. It's just, it's just how they yeah. grow there. But I really hope I don't see that deer, you know, as a, as a two year old, I, I want to get lots of pictures on him so that next fall I can mm-hmm. come back, but I, I don't want to see him in person uh, yeah. this year. So let's talk a little bit about your, your strategy. So you, you go into this property, you find Baraka, you're like, man, that deer is going to be on the hit list. How does your thought process evolve from there now that you found him? Like what's the next priority? Cause I'm, I'm guessing you're not just like, Hey, he's on the property. So I'm just going to go throw a bunch of hunts at it. Yeah. It, I, I, <laughs> I almost feel like I'm wasting a little bit of time right now because everything changes when they go hard horned and crops come out of the ground. But this is a new property for me. So I'm trying to get as much information as we can right now. So what's cool about Baraka right now on this property is I've got mineral out and which is legal to have out in Missouri. uh, And he's on that mineral. But until yesterday, I never have caught him on any other camera on that property. And I basically have cameras surrounding the mineral in different areas. So I'm like, well, what's he like? Where is he coming from? What's he doing? So right now I'm actually uh, going to go out with Micah probably Friday uh, afternoon. And we're going to move some cameras and, and we're just trying to like, all I want is to catch him on two cameras on the same day, you know? So I want to catch him at 7.30, let's say, uh, on the mineral, and then at 8 on another camera. So right. I can say, now I know he's going from here to here, at least today. And then hopefully, I can at least get an idea during the summer what it is he's doing. And let's say, you know, I don't know this yet, but let's say he's coming from north to south, and... Each time he's doing it, he's doing it in the morning, and every time it's a southwest wind. That makes sense. So, in the in the when the season hits, I'm probably going to use the data I've kind of taken and said, "Well, I don't know why I would hunt him in the evening right now because it seems like he's here in the morning. So I'm going to hunt every morning that there's a south to southwest wind." And I'm going to set up here. That might put him in front of me because he's done it before. Right. Is that a great strategy? Maybe, maybe not. I love doing evening hunts. In fact, evening hunts are my favorite hunts uh, over morning. I just, I like going in knowing what I'm seeing instead of not knowing what's there. So I love evening hunts. Um, But that would be a way to kind of try to attack a deer like him or any deer you're after is if you know what's going on during the summer, that might kind of keep going on early season. Right. And that's that's where I'm hoping to kind of catch him on more than one camera. Coincidentally, the camera we got him on yesterday, he wasn't on the mineral after that. So it's like, all right, well, we got you on this camera, but then he wasn't on any other camera. So he still isn't giving us like the second puzzle piece. He's just only giving us the one. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. I don't really care. He's, he's letting us know he's exists and he's letting us know he's comfortable there. And that's something I've always been happy with. 
if a if you see a deer dozens of times at your property throughout the summer we always hear about deer having you know summer ranges and and rut ranges and that's a legitimate thing i've seen it but it can't be a bad thing that the that a deer is comfortable on your farm right because right. that means they might be back yeah that's all i really want is a mite you know yeah. i i don't have some of the best farms in the world i'm not hunting 500 acres of primo ground that I can make them live on me. So if I just know that they're happy there and they can, they can feel comfortable, then I might see them again. You know, that's kind of what I'm, I'm all right with. Have, have you heard, uh, Mark Drury's theory about bucks in like the middle of August? Uh, maybe, but keep going with it. So he, I I don't remember it. He kind of suggests that like, Sometime around that middle of August time frame, and I think he he puts like a specific date on it. I don't know what it is, but he has this theory that these bucks will go on these kind of little jaunts where you notice a shift in their behavior where what he says is they're kind of checking out their fall range or they at least like make a loop through their fall range. So I wonder, as you're saying, he didn't show up on the mineral, but he did show up over here. I'm curious if that behavior continues, you know, over the next couple of days, like maybe, maybe that was a soiree through, through what's going to be more of his normal fall range. How far is that other camera from your mineral? Not far. I mean, it's not a very big farm. So that camera from the mineral is probably 250 yards. Okay. Yeah. They're they're All those cameras are, are somewhere within like a gosh, I'm I'm horrible at like sizes, but I mean maybe a thirty acre, forty acre size piece of timber. Okay. So yeah, they're all within you know a couple hundred yards of each other. I would say. Yeah. When it comes, so if that's true, then he's dead because <laughs> if he's if he's taking a soiree into his fall range, which is two hundred fifty yards away from where he's been, he, he's in trouble. Yeah. So hey, I hope I hope that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, man. I'll I'll say this. So the the deer that I hunt in Wisconsin on this particular piece of public, through this will now be I guess my fourth or fifth year hunting this property, and I've learned that during the summer I can expect the deer about four hundred yards to the north, and then they make this shift four hundred yards to the south really predictably during the rut, and it happens right around the same time every year. And I think it's, it has to do with this doe family group or two that live kind of in this really thick, thick bedding area. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not always a big shift, but it's enough where you no longer see those bucks in the, in the bean fields or the crop fields up towards this corner of the road where, you know, you were seeing them during the summer. Now they've made a shift and they're, you know, I don't want to say too much because a couple of folks are kind of really keying in on where I, where I've been hunting, but but they do make a shift down to the south, and it's not a huge shift. So, you know, it could be, and man. That, and that worries me with this farm um, because this farm is kind of on the end of a uh, block of timber, let's say. It's not really the exact terminology. but And so I definitely have that worry that the shift is going to go down to the thicker block of timber. My, I do have a... I haven't seen as many does on camera as I would like to see at okay. this place. Yeah. And that, that scares me a little bit 
but um and honestly i really think it's just one doe with twins that i've been seeing on camera that freaks me out yep but you know i'm gonna learn a lot about this property this year it's new it's new for us and i know he's there so uh, at least puts you in the game right i mean it doesn't mean you're gonna kill him it doesn't mean that you're even gonna see him but i know he's there and for me that's a lot of fun you know there's there's a lot of people that don't use trail cameras a lot of people that that just go hunting and I can see how free that would be, how freeing that would be just to go hunt and anything can happen any day. And then there's the guys like me that are, you know, running cameras, trying to figure these deer out. And I, I have an idea what might walk in front of me, but if you're going to target specific deer, I would just say, don't get too ate up. Yeah. Don't become, don't become Nate Thomas with a deer <laughs> like reptile or uh sub zero sub zero. I, I was the same way. You know, I didn't get like eight up, but it got stressful. And then that's when you got to take the step back and be like, you know, like honestly the best thing that happened was when reptile, you know, dipped out and was gone. It kind of gave me a reset to go. All right, well, he's gone what are you going to do now? Yeah. And it just kind of allowed me to settle back down and, um, just be like, listen, there's, he could be back. You never know. There's other good deer there. Just hunt how you were going to hunt, you know, cause I totally changed everything. That farm was a farm that I don't touch until at least the last week or two of October. And I hunted that thing half a dozen times in a seven day, seven to eight day span in late September because of that deer, man. So, you know, it's, it totally changed what I was going to do, which obviously if I would have killed him, would have been great. But you know, you just, I would say just be careful with being two, eight up over one or two deer. Right. Um, Cause I can promise you if I'm out there hunting for Barack or, or any other deer that I'm after this year and a beautiful uh, representation of a white-tailed deer walks in front of me that gets my blood pumping. He's still going to get shot. It is what it is. That's I don't I don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's he's going to get it too. It'll be right after you shoot that one, and he runs off, and you're getting pumped to go take up the blood trail that uh, Baraka walks by. And then I'll kill him when I can with the next tag. There you go. Oh, that's right. You guys get well, two. You get two tags in Missouri. Yeah, it's not like right away. Uh, depending on when you you know harvest your first deer, but you do get two buck tags. But you only get one early archery season. Then you get one for rifle, and then you have a second archery tag if you don't kill anything with that rifle tag. The rest of the season. So, like, let's say, for instance, um, the year that I killed scorpion. I killed another 10 pointer six days before I killed him. I killed that 10 pointer the Monday before rifle season. And then I killed him opening day of rifle season. So you can kill them pretty close together, depending on when you, you know, harvest the first one. Uh, but that's the closest I've ever come to like that, you know, back to back. It was six, it was a six day span. Yeah. Boy, that timing's got to work out. 
that was fun. That was a hell of a <laughs> hell of a week. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, normally it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk now about kind of the changes that you're going to be making to try to figure this deer out a little bit more. What's that going to look like when you're making the shift with these cameras? Are you are you pulling all your old cameras and kind of shifting them more towards where you saw him on this other one? Or are you just bringing in more cameras to, to add to the mix? No, I'm going to move them around. So what I've been seeing with like his pictures is it looks like he's coming from a certain way just based on the way he's standing every time he's there in the first set of photos. So I've already got a picture in that or a camera in that direction and he's not hitting it. So I'm going to take that camera and I'm going to take that camera and another camera that I think is being wasted and I'm going to move them down in there somewhere where I'm hoping to find like a travel corridor. This time of year, it's so hard to find trails. Um, you can find them, but you know, they're not easy to find. So I'm probably going to get down into the Creek and try to find a crossing and then throw that camera onto that crossing and do the same thing somewhere else. So I'm just going to try to find like, where's he coming in and out, you know? Right. And that's, so I'm just going to take, cameras that are already there that aren't catching him and I'm going to readjust them and set them somewhere else. Okay. So looking That's for really all I'm going to do. Looking for some kind of travel area, some maybe small feature that um you know, squeezes them down, pinches them down, that kind of thing. Um and yeah. for, for my buck last year, that was that made all the difference. There was a there was a tree <laughs> that had fallen a, a huge oak and I had no clue and it actually blocked a second trail. Um, that the deer had been using, I guess, back when I first hung the cameras was in October, early October, no, late September. And then by November, this big oak tree had fallen and it shifted their, their movement up by 75 yards to the north. And that's where I ended up killing him eventually, but made all the difference in the world, just that 75 yard shift. Now, all of a sudden I'm in the money as opposed to, you know, sitting there and not seeing anything. So when it comes to these specific deer, how important is it for you to figure out exactly where they're, where they're betting? I mean, it sounds like you could be on an early season game with this deer. Could be. Um, I, I'm almost positive he's betting close to where I'm at right now, at least. Now, obviously, things change, but um, I don't know. I mean deer bed a lot of different places. Like sometimes I, I hear the term bedding and it, I cringe because right. I've seen deer literally bedding on this, you know, if you have a, a, a crop field and then the tractor or the, the farmer has a little lane for his tractor to go up and down next to it and it gets taller with grass, they bed in there all summer long. Yeah. So is that bedding now? Technically, sure. That's betting, right? So like betting could be literally anywhere. Um, I'm looking for like obvious betting features that you would consider, you know, a typical betting area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that that exists on the neighboring farm with some thicker, uh, some thicker timber that they're probably hanging out in during the day and then coming my way. So I'm not really worried. Like, even if I don't catch him on any of these cameras that I'm going to move around, I still have an idea that's the direction he's coming from. Mm-hmm. So that's going how I'm going to attack it early season. 
I'm just going to try to like find where that might be happening. And at first I might be moving it more towards more towards that mineral, even though they stop hitting that as much during, you know, uh, September, October, you know, I might start closer to that and then start moving my way. So maybe I catch a, catch a glimpse of a buck or even him, then I can make a second move, uh, and then get closer in. I I'm a little less aggressive up front and then get a little more aggressive as I need to, you know, the, the later the season gets. Yeah. So speaking of aggression, then, uh, in your hunting style, how concerned are you maybe this time of year when you're trying to put the pieces together with pressuring that deer? I don't like bumping deer. Um, so like when I'm going in and dumping mineral and changing cameras, I really don't like bumping deer. I don't think they care <laughs> as much in the summertime. Right. Um, so I, I've actually changed my strategy a little bit and I we'll see how it works and see what you think about it. But, when I go in to do work now, this time of year, I'm as loud as I can be. Right. I want the deer to know that I am not there to hunt them. I am not there to bother them. That I'm just a farmer. They're working. Yep. Is what I'm hoping they f- think. I used to do it the other, I used to be like super quiet and I'd only go in when like the wind was correct. Now I'm just like loud. And a lot of that's out of necessity. I don't have the time to wait for the perfect day. So I'm like, well, I have to go there today. So they're going to smell me. So I'm going to be loud as shit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just let them know that I'm just there working. You know, um, if I take a side by side or something out there, I'll let it run and I'll drive it as far as I can, that sort of stuff. So they, they have that, that feeling that, okay, this guy's here. I'm going to, you know, I'll get out of here, but I'm not too worried about it because I don't like doing it. Uh, the worst, I mean, I bumped a fawn actually at a different farm setting cameras and I walked right on top of her. I mean, like within five feet of that fawn and I, I was even upset at that. And that's just a fawn has no idea what is going on, but I'm like, okay, if I bumped you, that means mama is somewhere close to you and she doesn't like what just happened. I don't like this, you know? So, you know, I, I tried not to bump deer and I was being loud as I could that day. She obviously heard me cause she was gone, but the fawn stayed and, uh, I don't know. People have different, different strategies with that. Uh, I know I've talked to some folks who like to go in when it's raining and it's nice and quiet and you know, the deer are probably not going to be moving so much. That'd be great. And I would be okay with that, but I just, I'm kind of like one of those guys that if I have the afternoon to go, I have to do it. So the way I'm approaching it now is I'm going to be loud. I'm going to make my noise and I'm going to get out. Yeah. Now I, I agree with that, man. We, so I do, I do some, some habitat and hunting property consulting. And for all of our clients, what we tell them, you know, if you're going in this time of year, especially, you know, here in Georgia, we're having to plant food plots this time of year. We're hanging stands this time of year, but our opener is September 9th. So we're right at a month away and we tell them like, go in there, making noise, crank a chainsaw, slam your car door, you know, talk to your buddies, like give them a heads up because there's such a shift when those deer recognize a more hunting style demeanor. I think, I mean, I see it here in my backyard. We've got deer in the backyard, right? If I go outside and like try to sneak to where I can snap a picture on my phone or something of the deer, they lose their minds. 
But if I walk outside and it's just like any other day and I bring the dog and, you know, he doesn't pay them any attention. And so walk out there and just like, Hey dear, I'm going to, I'm going to take a picture of you. They stand there and look at me like they're confused and maybe they'll yeah. bound off a little bit and then kind of just look back. But if I go sneaking, I can watch them run for like 150 yards and never stop. And they're just, they're just gone. So I, I think there's definitely something to that. Have you ever thought about that during hunting season too? Oh yeah. There's always like, there's those differing opinions on how do you walk in in the mornings? Do you find the low ground and creep and creep and creep and creep and take an hour to get into your stand? Or you just bust through the damn woods, disturb them for 15 minutes and get up in your tree and be done and, sh- and shut up. Yep. Which one is better? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, boy, it's, it's just like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. It could just be dependent on the property. I mean, a public land is obviously a little bit different than some private, but man, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is, but sometimes like, Sometimes I've really thought to myself in the mornings, I'm just going to get out of the truck and I'm going to get to my stand and I'm going to be done. Right. That, I, I don't know. That, I mean, for me, uh, when I, it, it depends on what I'm hunting. If I'm hunting a bedding area, especially you know, either morning or evening, I guess, I'm, I'm trying to get in quiet. Like if I know they're deer bedded within 100 yards of me, I'm taking that last little bit pretty slow because I don't want to blow them out of the, of where they're bedded and then them go off and do something totally different, head out the other direction that evening or, or, you know, leave that morning before they would get up and, you know, do their browsing around thing at nine or 10. Um, but if I'm hunting what I consider like a travel corridor where if there are deer there, they're passing through kind of thing, I'm just going right for it. Like if I'm not banking on the deer getting up out of its bed and walking to me, then I just yeah. walk. I mean, I'm not trying to make a bunch of noise. You know, I'm not. No, I still have a fundamental problem with breaking sticks. You know, like every time you, you walk right. over a stick and snap, you're like, damn it. I mean, it's not like I enjoy doing it, but I get like, yeah, you're right. There's some times where I'm a lot like more worried about how quiet I'm being. Yeah, right. And, I, and it's just dependent for me on the situation. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. So. All right, let's assume and let's maybe talk about some of the other deer that you've targeted. You know, after you get this idea during the summer of where they are, you kind of get a, a, an idea for, for how you're going to hunt them. What do your, I guess, targeted strikes look like? And what's your thought process with, with each of those? Are you playing it super conservative? Or are you trying to say, you know what, I've got him on in this area, on this wind, with this kind of weather, and I'm going in where it's either kill them or spook them? I would say I'm probably considered aggressive because the properties I hunt make you be aggressive. Right. If, if I had the ability to lay off a little more, I probably would at times, but I'm not hunting 250 acre awesome places. I mean, I, I'm hunting cool places. You know, they're good spots, but they're smaller and, and harder to hunt. If the larger ones just, you know, harder to hunt because there's not much to it. So for instance, when I killed noob, noob Sabbath right there above me, it was, it was like, all right, it's, 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 it's the rut. It's we're at rifle season. I have a feeling he's in the area. And if I were him today, what would I do? I would scent check this area and I would kind of probably walk this direction. 
So I'm going to sit on the end of where I think he's going to be sent checking. I He could have been bedded back where, where I was that morning, and I could have spooked him. And I have done that with deer, um, unfortunately. And it sucks when you watch this beautiful rack jump up and run away from you. It sucks to see. But um, in that in his case, I, I got back in that area early in the morning, and uh, I even remember – uh, not going. So a good buddy of ours has a, uh, a deer camp breakfast every, every year at the beginning of deer season. And I said, I'm not going to be there because I wanted to be in the woods super early. And so I got to the woods super early, got set up into a stand that I was hoping. And he did exactly, exactly what I hoped he would do. He came down a trail with his nose to the ground, walked to 30 yards and got killed. Hmm. Could have, could have spooked him, but that was an aggressive move. I'm like, I can probably get away with more in the rut, obviously, because they care less about you. And this is what I think he's going to do, and this is the only option I have today. So this is the option I'm going to take. And it worked. I mean, and it doesn't always work out that way. I mean, I, for every time I've, I've made it work, I've also watched a deer bound out of my life and or been, you know, 80 yards off and watched them walk out into a field and away from me. But um, especially during the rut, you can definitely become more aggressive and cause less damage to your chances than if it was October 10th. Yeah. When you're, when you're taking swings at these, you know, older mature bucks, especially on these smaller properties, do you see any consistency in what they allow you to get away with? So, you know, is it, is it, man, if I bump them once a week for a week, they're gone or are they letting you get close a couple of times? I think this is just me. I think bumping a deer does less than a deer smelling you. Okay. Yep. And, And when you bump a deer, they might also smell you too. I don't know. Obviously it just depends on, what the wind was doing that day, but bumping a deer almost feels like that early season you're walking through the woods and you bump a deer. But I've noticed, especially like with reptile, I'm almost certain that deer figured out I was there because of wind. Mm. And he, he was gone after that. Never again did I see him on camera, in person, nothing. Other deer, I've bumped them just because I'm walking in and, oh, I went a little farther than I should have. He's already here um, or whatever. And that doesn't seem to like change much. I mean, I'll see him again. Right. Now, I'm not saying they probably love that, but, and I don't like doing it, but I'm pretty certain I bumped a deer a couple days before I killed him. And if it wasn't him, it looked a lot like him with really? Noob. Okay. I was making a similar move. I came in a different direction. I actually uh, walked around the farm uh, perimeter and tried to come in a different direction. And when I got to the bedding area that I hope I was hoping he wasn't in, he was in it. Mm. And he hops up and takes off, and it looked a lot like him. I didn't get, a, like, an amazing look at the deer, but it looked a lot like him. And a couple days later, he was back there, and I killed him. 
what I'm saying is if I would have got into a tree stand that night and my scent went into that bedding, let's say for whatever reason, I feel like that would have done more damage than me walking up top on top of him and him taking off. Sure. Yeah. Cause I it's like they know something just, they, they, they might not even know it was a human right. that if they didn't smell you that walked in on top of them, they just know something startled them and they took off. Right. When they smell you, it's over. They know it was you. They know there was a person there. They know something was there that I don't want to be around. Right. Right. So that's why I sometimes wonder like if a bump is less damaging than, you know, them smelling you. So, you know, I'll take those chances and I've gotten burned. But um, like I said, I, I'm pretty, I'm about like 90% sure that noob was the deer. I bumped a few days before I killed him. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I have even seen, now it hasn't happened with like a, a good buck or anything, but with does and smaller bucks, I have, you know, all you get that, that situation where you're 10 yards from them and they jump up and just sprint away from you, right? Mm-hmm. I've climbed a tree and, you know, could kind of see, okay, they went way over there across this marsh and then you see them coming back and they circle back through and they get down into where they just were and they start sniffing all around. Cause they're like, what was that? Was that a yep. person? Was that a coyote? Was it just some kind of weird limb falling and commotion in the woods? Like there's all Rolling kinds of around. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff that, that jumps them on a regular basis that I think that if they don't smell you, I think you've still got a good chance. I think especially with a bigger buck, they're probably going to come back and scent check that area though. So I think the biggest mistake you can make is to say, I bumped him, therefore I'm leaving for the day. Right? What do they call it? A bump and dump? Yeah. Isn't the great Daniel fault like great at that? Yep. Absolutely. So um, you know, I mean, I didn't bump and dump him that day, but I know he didn't smell me that day because I know I had a north wind. He didn't smell anything. So he probably was back in there that night. Right. That I bumped him. Right. Um, so that's why I say like I would rather bump something than, and then have it smell me. That's why when I do hunt, when I am aggressive, I am very, very specific about my wind. I will get into an area. And if I'm not happy with the wind, I will get down and leave. Right. Yeah. Because if they smell me, that's when I think I've got problems. Exactly. That, that, that to me is when you've educated them to a point that they definitely know you're after them. Like they definitely know that was not a farmer coming in here to, you know, do a little bit of work. That was definitely somebody who came in, sat down, spent some time in here and Mm -hmm. was in here for no good. Um, Last question I've got for you. What happens when these bucks go dark on you? I'm sure, you know, throughout the season and then probably with different bucks, right? You're going to have those times when they just disappear for five days or 10 days. Had a guy on the show a couple weeks ago who, um, not made a big, you know, horrible decision, but it, it could have cost him this deer because the deer went dark, disappeared for a couple of days. His assumption was, oh, he got hit on the side of the road. Therefore he's gone. I'm going to go do something else. Well, the deer showed back up like a week and a half later, right? Which ended up costing him this other deer that he, that he was chasing. What's your move whenever the deer goes dark and are you trying to refine them? Are you still throwing hunts at it? Are you moving cameras around? What are you doing? Well, I mean, what's dark even mean? Because you got to remember, even if you have 10 cameras in a farm, on a farm, 
you are covering one-tenth of one percent of the possible area that they are in. Right. So is he even dark? He could still be there. He just could be walking behind your camera. He could be walking 35 yards outside of the view of the camera. He could be that one deer that all you caught was a leg. You know, is he actually dark, number one? And then number two, if it's hunting season, I don't really care. If I have, um, <clears throat> if I have conditions that are beneficial for me that make the hunt a uh, low-risk hunt, I guess you'd call it, from a wind standpoint and, and that, and, or a high-risk success, let's say you've got the right wind and good weather conditions, um, I'm probably going to be hunting because that's going to give me the best chances to see that dark deer anyways. Even right. if he is dark, well, if I've got that northwest wind again and it dropped 15 degrees overnight, what other time is he going to show back up other than now? This is the perfect chance. So I'm not waiting for a trail cam picture anymore. I'm not waiting for something to tell me, oh, he's back. I'm going to go hunt and hope that those conditions made that dark deer, quote unquote, show back up. But like I said, if he shows back up in that condition, was he ever really dark in the first place? Yeah. Just, you know, I, I have to tell myself all the time, trail cams are just that. They're cameras in one little spot. Yeah. If you had a camera in every square inch of every, like I, if, if you had like a video camera that told you everything that happened on a farm every second of every day, I think you'd be very surprised as to what you would see based on compared to what you see in trail cameras. Yeah. I I've you heard other people talk about, um, you know, if you get them on camera, you've got to figure that he was in that area way more times than, than you actually got him on camera. If you're getting a buck once a week, he probably moved through there three times that week. Like you probably. said, it may have been may have been behind the camera, may have been 35 yards outside of the camera's view. Your camera may just not have taken a picture. Like it, who knows what happened? Or another deer walked past, triggered it, and you've got a delay set, and he walks by after that. So mm-hmm. all kinds of things can can kind of begin to go in after that. Are you? I said last question last time, but th- this is really going to be my last question. When you're in there after a deer that has quote unquote gone dark, right? Or you just, you haven't gotten a picture of them lately. Are you going to become more mobile and kind of start hopping around a little bit? Are you going to stick to those spots that are, are tried and true where, you know, you expect him to, to show up again when he does? Oh, no, I'll definitely move around, uh, okay. especially with this new farm. I don't even think I'm have stands out, uh, but uh, I'll definitely move around. Uh, I'm not scared to hunt off the ground. I actually really like it. But, um, no, I'll, I'll definitely move around the one farm that I've got where noob was actually killed at. I've got 10 stands throughout that farm now, and it's only about a 12 acre, uh, patch of timber. So I've got most of that covered, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, even then I'll hunt off the ground there because there's some areas that there are no trees to get in. So, um, the, the encounter I had with evil Eddie, I told you about, I was on the ground on that farm. Um, because okay. I was, I was in a stand 70 yards away from it, maybe not even that. And I just thought I was, I was out of the game. So I, it was, it was raining. So I decided to get down and move. And that's when I had an encounter. 
So Man. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get aggressive. I'll, I'll get on the ground. I'll go sit up against a tree and brush myself in and, um, do what I need to do, but it's really not because of the deer. It's because what, what am I feeling like is the, the right spot tonight? Mm. And sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes it's because of a camera like, okay, he's been on this camera and this camera only. So I'm going to get in here because of this wind. Right. Uh, and I'm wrong more than I am right, but that's why it's hunting, not killing. Yeah, for sure. Well, Nate, thanks for, for uh, taking the time to come on the show today. Tell folks where they can find more from you. I mean, you guys are pumping out lots and lots of good content. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, um, you can check us out on any podcast platform, Missouri Woods and Water. You can also find us on the Sportsman's Empire Network. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook, even though we don't like social media, but we are there. Uh, Missouri Woods and Water is all you got to search. And uh, we're, we're uh, excited to um, continue learning about the outdoors through this podcast game. And, um, yeah, check us out. Check out How to Hunt Deer, Wisconsin Sportsman, all the guys on the network. Yeah, we've got a pretty, uh, we've got a pretty solid network, man. So I actually I sent out an email this morning and was like, hey, guys, had some cancellations. Anybody got, got some time? And I think I probably had six different guys that were like, yeah, I'll, I can do it at this, you know, today. Like they're like, yeah, drop of a hat. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. So, uh, good content, but just good people behind the content, which I, I think makes a huge difference. And, you know, working with the network, like I do, uh, definitely makes a huge difference that we've got such a good crew of folks who not only are they passionate about hunting, but they're actually decent human beings, um, which those things don't necessarily go together. So, uh, we've got a good crew here. So I like, I like to say it this way. Uh, when we got into the podcast game, I was nervous about meeting some individuals, right? Like, you know, is this, is this big name, a, a good person, you know, or, you know, and I've said, you know, I really haven't met a piece of shit yet. I'm sure they're out there. That's, that's what I like to say. Like, yeah. we're, I'm just not a giant piece of shit. And that's, I think that's a bare minimum what you should expect <laughs> out of people. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty, that's a pretty low bar. So, uh, well, Nate, yeah. like I said, man, thanks for coming on the show. Folks go listen to the Missouri Woods and Water podcast launches every Tuesday morning. And, uh, yeah, go subscribe to that, and it'll be wherever you listen to podcasts popping up for you as of 4 a.m. Tuesday. So if you're an early riser, you get up to go work out or something like that, it will be on there. So, Nate, thanks so much. Good luck as you get after Baraka this season, and hopefully I can uh, hear the conclusion of the story when you arrow this guy. Hey, I, I will promise you I will come on the show if I kill him. Perfect. All right, buddy. Have a good one. See ya. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.